so much for joining me again in this podcast on understanding the scripture with Dr. J. I'm Jimmy. I'm the host with you on this journey. In today's podcast, we're going to look at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Now, if you've not had time to read that, if you just push, push pause and take some time to read those verses, I think it'll be helpful for you as we go through this study. When I look at these portions of scripture, James 2, 14 through 26, I've entitled it, Back Your Faith Without Action. Now, you'll remember from earlier podcasts that every passage in the Bible has at least four dynamics that you must consider if you want to properly understand the, the portion of scripture reading. You need to understand culture. You need to understand history. You need to understand the land or the geography. And you need to understand spirituality. So as you look at those four dynamics, it helps you understand the words of the Bible in the context of the Bible. In this passage of Scripture, James shows the believer how action is needed with one's faith. The contemporary church seems to be on a, in a quest for believers. Jesus was on a quest not simply for believers. He was on a quest for discipleship. He was on a quest to make disciples. And there is a difference between giving mental assent, which is called salvation, and truly being converted, being changed to follow Jesus Christ. Now, in this episode, we want to explore the bold expression of James's theology, the tension between faith and works. So when I would teach people to, to study the Bible as a pastor, I would say, well, let's consider, first of all, the, the uh, author's lens. And in that, we really wanted to answer the question, what did the scripture mean to the original author and audience? So as you explore this information on the author and the content and the culture and the history and the land, the language of the Bible, you gain a better understanding of the intended message of God's word. So you need to know that James is writing to Jewish Christians. The Jews hold to a doctrine of oneness or unity of God which they use Deuteronomy 6.4 to formulate this doctrine. The unity of God is important, but right doctrine does not save someone. Belief that affects the head, but not the heart and the hands, and it falls short of saving faith. The truth is, is that biblical faith will affect or it will influence your actions. Faith is not a substitute for works, but it is a source of works. Faith is the root and works are the fruit. When you study the New Testament, you will, you will not see as some have this, this tension between James and Paul on the subject of faith and works. When James writes his letter, Paul has not even uh, begun to write. What James is saying in this passage of Scripture is the, that real faith really works. Faith and works are sort of like a, a composition of salt. My understanding is that sodium is, is an extremely active element found naturally only in a combined form. That is, it's got to be merged with something else. Chlorine, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas that gives household bleach an offensive odor. When sodium and chlorine are combined, the result is sodium chloride, or what we know as cable, uh, common table salt. Faith and works are like sodium and chlorine. Faith without deeds is inactive. It's irresponsible. Faith without deeds is faith present in church, but not 
but not faith in the everyday world. It's pietistic. It sings the songs. It raises the hands, but it's divorced from ethics. It's divorced from morality. It's divorced from serving the Lord in the real world. Faith without works lacks commitment to discipleship. But works without faith is equally as dangerous because works without faith produces duty rather than joy. It brings legalism and bondage. Faith without works is is like trying to drive a car without gasoline. That's the picture of the Christian life without vital faith. So it's in these verses of Scripture that James utilizes a couple of rhetorical questions to drive home the point that a person who confesses faith but does not manifest righteous works does not have saving faith. James's idea that he has for works is distinct from Paul's rebuke of those who depend on their works for salvation. James is concerned of the person who who gives mere lip service to faith but does not live righteously, that that person is to no advantage to the kingdom of God. So James emphasizes that faith without works is dead. Three times, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26, he makes sure to tell his reader his position, and then he illustrates his position with three different examples. James chapter 2, verse 22 mentions the case of Abraham, Abraham, faith, and actions working together. Now, there's a word in the Greek language that carries over straight from the English language, and it's the word synergizing. James is saying that faith and actions were synergizing. Synergism is a term which means that when two parts are put together, the part of those two parts united is greater than the power of the individual elements when they're separated, kind of like sodium and chloride. When you put them together, there's a synergism and there's a new power that is mightier than each of them has in isolation. It's, it's like faith and works. It's synergism. The power of them coming together is greater than simply faith alone or works alone. And while this certainly is not an in-depth analysis of what's taking place, I do hope it challenges you to and, and models for you the ability to look at Scripture through the lens of culture, history, land, and spirituality. So when I would coach people as a pastor to help them study the Bible, I would say, okay, you've done this. Your next step in studying the Bible then is called my lens. And it's trying to answer the question, what does what is the Scripture saying to me? You know, counterfeit money looks like real money to many people. However, there's not value in counterfeit money. Many persons claim to be believers, but they lack the evidence to support their claim. What value is a faith that does not reveal itself in a life that pleases God? The scripture passage in this lesson points to two questions that establish the principle that faith and works go together. Here's the question. What, for question one is, what good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? The second question is this, can such a faith save that person? Can such a faith save that person? The answer to both of those questions is in the negative. That is the principle that James is really after. The principle that works or deeds must complement and illustrate the faith that you're walking in. So 
after establishing the principle in verse 14, he goes through the rest of the passage and furnish, furnishes us with four illustrations, which I think help us help us to show or helps to show how faith and works belong together. So in my Bible and our notes, I've got written down between in verses 14 to 16 that faith helps people in need. Verse 17, when I read that in the context, I see that true faith always manifests itself in obedience to God and compassionate deeds done for needy people. That's verse 17. Verse 18 and 19, then, I've got written out, true faith requires more than belief. Even the demons believe, they just don't do anything. Verses 20 through 24, then, I've got this written, true faith will be tested. In verse 25 and 26, true faith is not just for the big heroes of the Bible, but for everyday people as well. So I read that, and I, I just kind of, when I after I go through the first section, I just read that, go back over it, and I'm asked, and trying to answer the question, Miley, what does the Scripture say to me? Now, you may read those verses and, and have something totally different that, that speaks to you, and that's okay. I'm just wanting you to, to dive deeper in your Bible study. So just what do you sense the Holy Spirit being said to you? And then just write those things down. Maybe you want to write in your Bible or write in a journal, and that that'll be a that that will help you in your growth process. And then I would move people to this this third uh, section, which I call the Holy Spirit's lens. So then, how can I've read the scripture? I've, I've put down what I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, or what I sense the nudge in my spirit. Now, now, how can these scriptures apply to my life? So when you apply this by listening to the Holy Spirit's leading, as you work through what you're studying, what happens is, is you gain useful insights that will help you apply the truth of God's word to your daily life. And as always, I, I encourage you to answer the who, where, when, why, what, and how questions. They're, they're the same for every passage. Who is it appearing in the passage? Where is this passage taking place? When is this passage occurring? Why is this passage important? Why is what is happening in this passage? And then how does this passage apply to my life? And then circle down if there's any reoccurring words or phrases in this passage. So you look through that and you're and you're saying, okay, how can I apply this to my life? You answer those questions. Now here's some other questions you might want to consider. Take some time and go back and read James 2 for verses 14 through 17. And then just answer the question, what value does James place on faith without deeds? You read James 2, 14 through 17, and then answer the question, what value does James place on faith without deeds? And then read verses 20 through 25, and here's, here's three, three questions. What actions showed that Abraham had biblical faith? What actions showed that Abraham had biblical faith? Question two. What actions showed that Rahab had biblical faith? What actions showed that Rahab had biblical faith? And then question th uh, three, what can you glean from these two persons? These, these people with biblical faith, what can you glean from them? The, another question that you might consider after reading this passage of Scripture, J James, in chapter 2, what have you learned about the importance of backing your faith with practical action in your life? What have you learned about the importance of backing your faith with practical action in your life? 
And then question two, another question, excuse me, are what are some practical things you can do for those in your sphere of influence to show them that you're a Christian? What are some practical things you can do for people in your sphere of influence to show them that you're a Christian? So that's kind of, you know, that should take you some time as you work through this lens uh, on the, what I call the Holy Spirit lens. And then you move to the final section that I would challenge people as a pastor, and I call it the upward and outward focus. So it really answers the question this way. It's the same questions in every study. Now that I've studied this portion of scripture, how does this scripture affect or influence my relationship with God and others? You see, your experience in God's word and action, how do you, how do you connect with people. So you you take some time to listen to the Lord about the text you've just studied, and then answer the question, how did these verses help deepen my love of God? How does it how does it help deepen my love of God? And the second question then, because I have now have a deepened love for God, how can I practically demonstrate this love to other people? Hey, I really do want to just thank you for taking time to join me in this podcast, Understanding Scripture with Dr. J. It really is an honor to me that you would take some time to to just walk with me through through a portion of teaching of Scripture, and I really appreciate it. I I just encourage you to do uh, a couple things. First of all, subscribe to this podcast so you can get the content every time it's produced. Then I'm asking you to like us and rate us and then share us with your friends and family so we can get the word out. This is a free resource that I hope is a blessing to to many of you. I really hope you've gleaned something from our time together. And my prayer for you is that God would enlighten your understanding as you begin to journey towards developing a better understanding of God's word. Mm -hmm.